Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Join with me, as, as always, are my co-host, Joseph. Hello. And Jehu. Uh, <laughs> that was like a good call off a cliff. Yeah, it, it was like a, like a descent to it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I added special effects this time. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, this week, discussing Netflix's latest release, Enola Holmes. This is uh, about what Sherlock Holmes's little sister. Is this a, an established character? Does anybody know? So no, it is not. I was curious okay. about that also. Uh, it, it is not in any way canonical to the original uh, Arthur, Arthur Conan Doyle stories, but it's based mm-hmm. off a series of novels uh, by Nancy Springer called like the Mysteries of Enola Holmes or something like that. Gotcha. Her mom goes missing and she sits on an adventure to find her and ends up solving another mystery along the way. A lot of famous people in this movie. Well, yes, there were, uh, but also a lot of familiar faces to Netflix. Yeah, well, I had this problem where since we all just watched all the Harry Potter movies and I've been watching Doctor Who, I could name every single cast member in this movie. (laughs) I mean, it's funny you mention that because... We'll get into it, but this movie felt a lot like a Harry Potter movie to me. It kind of does. I can see that. I can see it definitely leaning into trying to get some of that Harry Potter action. Yeah. Uh, we got Millie, Bob- Millie Bobby Brown, most famous from being uh, 11 from Stranger Things with a not shaved head. I have no idea if she still has a shaved head in the show because I stopped watching it. She does not, but no, keep going. She does not yet. Yeah, she gave up on that a while ago. Fair enough. Uh, Henry Cavill. Uh, Superman, previously, formerly, and possibly again, uh, <laughs> but in this one, just a a uh, a man pretending like he can fit into regular suits. Yeah, that was <laughs> a big question mark going into the movie. <laughs> <laughs> How does Henry Cavill wear a three-piece suit? Doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't look like it makes sense. Uh, Helen on bottom, Carter, who I think was in The Crown. She has been. She's been in a lot of things, but that well, yeah, is like a, a recent I'm... Netflix thing, to exactly, your point. Exactly, that is my point. Uh, I don't know if, if Sam Claflin has been in anything uh, recently. I should, I should say who these people are. So, uh, Billy Bobby Brown is a Noel Holmes, the younger sister of, of Sherlock and Maya Croft Holmes. Uh, much younger, it seems like. At least 10 years difference. Henry Cavill is the famous Sherlock Holmes, already well-established in this universe at this time. Uh, Helena Bottom Carter is their mother, whose name I cannot remember off the top of my head. Uh, and Sam Claflin, I think m- most famous for being the handsome guy from The Hunger Games that wasn't Liam Hemsworth, is Mycroft Holmes in a very unhandsome, charming role. Right. And then the only other people that I wanted to mention is, is uh, Lewis Partridge, who is Tewksbury, the, the love interest and uh, subject of the mystery of this movie, and fucking Burn Gorman, whose name is Burn Gorman. <laughs> yeah spoilers for later on in the movie but the when the face he makes when he dies is the most burn gorman face possible <laughs> that's that's true i hope that guy never plays a good guy <laughs> i can't think of a time well no actually i can't think of one time he did oh that's wrong i hope it was bad <laughs> it's a favorite of the podcast he was a He's a good guy in Pacific Rim. Oh, no, he you're is. right. Oh, no, he's pretty good at that. Okay, fair enough. The only one I really wanted to throw out was uh, Fiona Shaw, who famously played Aunt Petunia in the Harry Potter series. It was good to see her. I, I don't know her in much, but she, she was f- just as wicked in this as she is in, in Harry Potter. Right. It was basically, just show up and do that thing you do. Yep. <laughs> 
And there's also uh, the headmistress of the girls' school in Harry Potter was the grandmother in this. Madame Maxine. Maxine. Yeah. yeah. Not as no. tall as she is in Harry Potter. No, not as tall. You know, <laughs> I, 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 when, I was, when I was trying to recognize her, I was forced to think about the fact that in the Harry Potter world, I feel like half-giant dating has got to be, like, the hardest, the slimmest pool to choose <laughs> from. True. Yeah. Because, like, even in that movie... Uh, you know, Madame Maxine is like one and a half times the size of Hagrid. Uh, but he still might be the closest that she's come because it seems like in that world, giants are really, really big. Uh, right. and people are really, really small and half giants can be anywhere in between. Indeed. I'm, <laughs> I, just, I thought it was important to go over the mechanics here. I feel like it would be a challenging life to live. <laughs> anyway, Enola Holmes. <laughs> Yeah, I just want to. I just want to say we can edit this out. But when you said Hagrid is the closest till she can come, I I wanted to make a dirty joke, but I stopped myself. Oh, no, I'm gonna leave that in. <laughs> uh, so what what did we think of this movie? I thought it was pretty fun. I uh, I didn't really have a lot of expectations going into it. It looked kind of. I mean, look, Netflix doesn't have a great track record of making like quality movies. You know, unless you count Roma and Roma in its own way is kind of a non-quality quality movie. But I like the people that are involved. And uh, I, the, watching the movie, it had kind of this fun, family-friendly action-adventure feel that I just don't feel like is, I don't know, I don't feel like it makes it to the big screen that much these days. Like, I mean, we talked about, I mentioned the Harry Potter movies. It reminds me a lot of the Harry Potter movies. But if I was to take it out of that kitty genre i mean the closest i could think of is something like a uh oh no i can't think of it what's the charlie cox movie with star star something stardust stardust like a stardust but you know not fantasy um but like that that like vibe that amount of fun and levity in the world what you were trying to say the best way i could think of was i was trying to say was to myself was like this reminds me of a movie from the 90s and not necessarily because it has any sort of like stereotypical 90s things but just because they didn't really make they haven't really made movies like this much since then sort of a a live action period piece kids movie for girls like that's that's uh (laughs) that's something we're pretty far removed from that's fair yeah yeah i mean i like this movie quite a bit i thought it was kind of exactly what you guys are saying like i I enjoy the family-friendly adventure film, and I don't think we have enough of them. And this is a pretty good version of that. Uh, If I were disappointed at all, it's because I really wanted this movie to be like, and this is a deep cut, Young Sherlock Holmes. Have you guys ever seen that movie? Yes, I'm yes. aware of its existence. Yeah, it's insane, and uh, <laughs> I, I I wish this movie were more like that. But that's just personal opinion. Um, I liked it a lot, and I thought the cast was pretty good. Kind of to your low expectations, Joseph. I'm really not a fan of any of these people. That's not Helena Bonham Carter. I was in about to mo- say. But I thought they were all pretty good in this. Surprisingly, Sam Caflin as Dick Mycroft was probably my favorite part. He's pretty good at it. Yeah, he reminds me of of like of the PG version of uh, Guy Pierce in Lawless. I can see that. I can see yep. that. Um, uh, I I thought it was interesting. Sam Caflin is actually younger than Henry Cavill, but plays his older brother. In I this. saw that. Yeah, I mean, uh, Millie Bobby Brown is good. Uh, I I really liked the the young kid. Uh, that was the Tewksbury kid. I thought he was really good. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I haven't seen him in anything else. But yeah, I, I know we've talked on, on the podcast before about the fact that Henry Cavill's a bit of a... He's a hard guy to peg down. Right. In the sense that I feel like he's got a natural presence on screen in a lot of movies. I don't know that he's ever going to be like a character actor that really like, you know, gets into the role. But I feel like, you know, screen presence is enough. I feel like he pulls that off really well in Mission Impossible. But then there are other things like The Witcher where he's boring as fuck. <laughs> uh, uh, but he's good in this. I feel like it was a lot of a reaction. To, not an overreaction is the right word, but reaction to kind of the Sherlock we've had over the last 10 years, 10, 15 right. years since House, really. Um, right. The House archetype through, you know, uh, the Guy Ritchie films through the Benedict Cumberbatch, just this like unbelievable asshole, but so smart you can't ignore that he's right all the time kind of character. And I feel like they still kind of keep that in the sense that he is still really smart, but they also kind of focus on his myopicness in the sense that he can't see past the mystery um, and can't see the world around him, which I think was kind of an interesting take to to put to the character. I also feel like there's been so much like lint to Sherlock being just alone and an asshole all the time that it was nice for number one to him not start off being an asshole, but right. two learn as the film continues like the importance of having people around him like there's just been especially you know cumberbatch's sherlock is yeah as much as i love that show he's insufferable um i think it was nice to have a more approachable sherlock holmes uh, than we've seen i agree so uh, there are a few things uh, there are minor complaints that i think keep this movie from being really good in my opinion which is frustrating because i think it was pretty close to being really good uh, in general, I feel like the like the dialogue was hit and miss uh, at various points. But my real issue with the movie is the length of the movie. But I don't want to get too far into it until we go into spoilers. Do we have anything else we want to get into before we get into spoilers? No, I'm good. Uh, yeah, I, the only thing I was going to say about it is that you know, going into it, I kind of expected to be annoyed by it was basically going to be a boy action movies for girls. Cause I'm just, I'm, I'm tired of trying to make that happen. Like it's one of those things that it's like, I think it's supposed to be against sexism, but it becomes its own sexist thing. Like the definition of equality is a girl starring in a boy movie. Right. But it wasn't that, of course there were action elements and it was boy friendly, but it, this was definitely a movie for girls. So I, I liked that aspect of it. Fair enough. I would argue it's a movie for everyone. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, I know what you mean though. I, I completely get what you're saying. If um, they still made DVDs, they could put your quote on the box. <laughs> um, I have a, I have a friend Jay who she really likes this movie. She's real big into uh, the term fem gaze. Right. That there, there are not enough movies that are uh, like kind of what you're talking about. Like what we've changed the term feminism to be while right. also fulfilling feminine fantasy at the same time and uh she's a big fan of this film because of she thinks it accomplishes it really well and like a scene like the uh corset scene um is is a good example of that where like yes it has this negative connotation of suffrage and stuff like that but also like there are there's this advantage and so there there are um you know it checks multiple boxes and and from at least the women i've talked to who have seen it they really appreciate what you're talking about with this movie. Right. But if, if, if we're okay with it, my spoilers from here on out. My biggest problem with the movie is I think it's just too long. 
And I think the biggest problem is, so, so the, the plot of the movie here is Enola Holmes is uh, like, what is she like supposed to be 16 ish? I think in this movie. Yes. Um, and yeah. she's, she's being raised and taught by her mother. Who's Helena Bonham Carter. Who's, you know, kind of this eccentric smart, but uh, ooh, I don't know, I guess inconsistent woman is the best way I right. can put it. She's just kind of all over the place. And so she's had kind of a, an, an, unorthodox education but is you know enola is naturally gifted like her siblings one day her mother disappears and her brothers are one seemingly only like half-heartedly interested in in finding her and two want to send enola to like a boarding school uh so enola goes off to find her mother but in the process meets this young tewksbury and gets involved in that whole mystery and excitement and whatever um my biggest issue is so this I feel like this movie was absolutely clamoring. I mean, like wants to be a franchise real bad. Oh, they, yeah. said, they said they said there's five films planned. Right. Okay, great. That's fine. I'm bothered by the fact that like I think I, I think the whole the whole uh after the completion of the, the Tewksbury mystery, that should have been the end of the movie for me. The fact that she reunited with her mom at all at the end of this movie bothers me. My big, my complaint, one of my complaints was going to be is too many endings. It has like yeah. three endings. I, I felt satisfied. Even, even if at the end of, of the, uh, the movie, it had just been her seeing the message from her mom. If, if there's no other movie, we see there's hope. We know that her mom's alive and she's communicating with her, whatever. If there is another movie, you further that out. She keeps looking for her mom, but gets dragged into another adventure, which I mean, is kind of what happened, but I just don't feel like the actual reunion contributed anything besides 10 minutes of screen time right 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 yeah i mean after watching return of the king i guess multiple endings don't bother (laughs) but but i was kind of hoping they would i I don't know it's tough i i was hoping they would save that for a sequel but i also was like i'm gonna be a little bit annoyed if this like ends on a cliffhanger because there's no guarantee with netflix we would even get a second one um they cancel shit left and right so but i mean yeah it, it was kind of a nuisance i was surprised that when i turned it on that the movie was like two hours and 12 minutes or something i was like oh this is way longer than i expected yeah i, I watched it while i was working today and uh and i started way late in the day because i expected this to be like a 90 minute movie and i literally finished it right before we started <laughs> like you know so so it's real fresh for you yeah it's real fresh for me totally very good. So where was, does, did, did any of you guys look up if, if there's even any definitive answer of where this is supposed to be sort of in the Sherlock Holmes timeline? I don't think it is in the official Sherlock Holmes timeline. Uh, based on the IMDb trivia, people are right. assuming it's before, uh, you know, Sherlock met Watson, which is before, you know, any of the books, I guess, right. theoretically happen. I mean, I guess that's what I was going to ask about is where was Watson? Right. I guess this is before Watson happened, which I, Early on, I had decided that when we first met Tewksbury, I was like, oh, this is Moriarty's son. That's what's going to be the completion of this. This kid is evil and he's Moriarty's son. As soon as he said, my dad's dead too, I was like, oh, that's what this is going to be. But then obviously, as you went up further on, it seemed that this was way earlier in the Sherlock Holmes timeline to be that. Yeah. Also, that kid yeah. had great hair. I was, he had great hair before yeah. and after the haircut, but I really liked his hair before the haircut. Yeah, I agree. Totally. He had Harry Potter four hair. <laughs> he had he had like the next level of Harry Potter four hair. If if Harry yeah. Potter five had been the natural extension of Harry Potter four, it <laughs> right. would have been that hair. Let's talk about Harry Potter more on this episode, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I um I my prediction in watching it and this is probably totally off base was I was like, oh, Dr. Watson's never gonna actually exist and somehow they're get, that's just gonna be a persona Enola uses when they question uh why Sherlock has a uh, female assistant. Because she pretends to be a boy a lot in this and yeah, so I she thought, does, oh, that's true. I, I do, I do hope cross-dressing, up. if they make more of them, I hope cross-dressing is like an enduring theme over the course <laughs> of them. I want to know if Henry Cavill can get into a dress now, since we've questioned if he can get in a three-piece suit. <laughs> I would pay Let's good go money the to other see way. Right. Is there anything else we really want to talk about with this one? Gosh, uh, we got through it quick. I mean, yeah, you know, I, there's, there's not too much to it. It's a pretty fun, family-friendly uh, affair. Yeah, it's not complex. I, I know that I was, you know, I'm not really good at this. Uh, like the film analysis scene, like the themes and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like they did a good job in this one of really like the color red was used like consistently for like female empowerment throughout the entire movie from like the, the little sashes that, that uh, Enola's mom's secret cabal wore to, right. uh, to the color of the fireworks, to the color of a lot of stuff. But most notably is Enola's, you know, dress that she gets once she comes to London to, you know, kind of hide in plain sight. But I know I'm not. I, I know a lot of movies do that, and I, I'm sure that I've missed it in many of our other things. But it was something that I noticed, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's kind of a cool thing that they they chose to do in this movie." Yeah, I don't. I don't know. You know, this movie I think is really just set out to have a good time with your family on a Friday night, and that's an important role to fill. And this movie accomplishes it really, really well. And I'm happy to see someone out there actually making movies like this. Agreed. Yeah, one of the things that it, I I thought of while seeing it was not necessarily that I wish that I saw this in a movie theater, but I wish more things like this were still in the movie theater for me to not see. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Like I wish there was. I wish that you know. I'm not saying I don't want to just continue watching dumb superhero movies in the theater, but I do. I do watching this is like well, you know, I wish miss when there was more than just what i liked at the movie right. theater basically i'm wondering if i've ruined the world i think we've I mean, not ruined the world yeah not me personally but you know i is in my type of person a collective unit right, right. there's a good uh, mark maron bit on that in his most recent stand-up special <laughs> oh really yeah i feel like this was really popular for a long time and i want to know why we went away from it like didn't jerry bruckheimer get rich by making this type of movie why why don't we have them anymore is it just because theaters as a whole or or what we're seeing in theaters as a whole is kind of a dying breed like i don't know this would be a fun movie to see in theaters i think yeah i mean i can see this as being like you know a fun movie to bring your whole family to <laughs> right and once again going for your quote on the imaginary dvd <laughs> box <laughs> uh, can we talk about the fact that helena bonham carter was absolutely a domestic terrorist in this hundred <laughs> percent. She was because, like, yeah. I was really expecting there to be a turn at some point. It's like, oh no, we were going to use this as like a demonstration. You know, like there was like going to be a plan for it. And then when Anola confronts her about it, she's just like, oh well, you, we didn't have to do it because you just fixed it. But yeah, we were totally <laughs> going to blow that shit up. Yeah. We yeah. were definitely going to do that shit. <laughs> she's the Guy Fox of women's suffrage. hundred yeah. percent. I was, I was not expecting that. Yeah. It was an it's an aggressive turn. <laughs> I just want to say, why is she so great in every freaking thing she's in? Like she's even she's in this movie like fifteen total minutes, and every time I have a smile on my face, like I just right. enjoy her so much. 
I mean, I would agree with that. She, she, she does, like, you know, say compared to Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill isn't really given a lot to do, and he mostly sells it just by, like, I'm handsome and charismatic, so here I am, you buy, I'm Sherlock Holmes. With her, she's also not given a lot to do, but it's a lot more engaging. Yeah. There is a uh, ship going around on the internet of uh, Sherlock and the black jujitsu lady instructor, cool. and God, I hope we get it. Like, that <laughs> <laughs> why not well that's enola holmes if uh if you're looking for something uh just just light-hearted if, if you're looking for some uh some light-hearted fun murder right. watch this movie there really isn't murder in it there's i guess just, there's just the one there's there's the but we'll act- leave it we'll leave it as a surprise for the, anybody who's made it this far and hasn't I mean- seen it yeah we kind of spoiled it but uh it's better than transformers i'd be totally down if they made another one of these yeah me too I also think it's better than Transformers. I also want them to make another one of these, but be better in the editing room. It's just not that. I, I understand with Netflix, you know, it doesn't, runtime doesn't matter that much. You don't have to fit more in a theater in a day, but, uh, you know, it does actually matter. Do we know if this was originally made by another studio and Netflix bought it? I mean, that's usually how it works. Yeah. I think that's probably what happened, which they is. Us- they usually just buy it for distribution and not, they don't like produce it from beginning to end yeah i normally it happens to shitty movies like cloverfield paradox movie but yeah i'm so i i guess maybe covid influenced this one they didn't want to sit on it but what was it going to do in the actual theaters anyway this is probably a better <laughs> release for it right that's probably true uh but cool yeah that's enola holmes guys it's a fun time if you haven't watched it go on netflix and watch it in the meantime what have we been watching this past week guys i will start um I had two things I wanted to talk about. I went back to a video game I started but never finished. Uncharted 3. Uh-huh. Because um, I really did not like it to begin with. Yep. Like the first third of it, I was not into. But that back half is pretty good. Um, is it, though? Well, I, I think that it 2 and 1 are really samey, like gameplay-wise. Mm-hmm. I think 3 really tries to give you something different. And I appreciated that a whole lot. Um, It is, though, a lot of, man, here's a big open area with shipping containers, and here's 500 dudes. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. My biggest issue with that one is, narratively, it's it's the least cohesive, I think, of the games. Like, the demise of the villains at the end is super unsatisfying. It just feels random and arbitrary to me. I think that's true for most of the plot of it, actually. Because, like, there are stakes that are supposedly there, but I don't feel them as uh, the player. And even some of the characters in the game don't feel it. Because there's, like, five cutscenes where they're just like, Drake, are you sure you want to do this? You can just walk away. (laughs) Whereas before, it was like, the world will end if the bad guys get it. Well, so that's spoiler for anyone who hasn't played this game. Just chill out, tune out for, like, a few seconds. Uh, do you think Sully was supposed to die in this game? Because I think he absolutely uh, was supposed to die in this game. A hundred percent. Sully, uh, the whole time. And I knew Sully they, was... They telegraph it so hard. Yep. Nope. Yep. Uh, it's, it made me mad that he didn't. And they bait and switch you, and it's so dumb. And like, oh, God, I, this game made me so mad. <laughs> they bait and switch you twice. Yeah, they do. Uh, yeah, it's very annoying. But no, I, th- I think I do appreciate the like challenges, like having those fight scenes while also like being in the water or mm-hmm. trying to escape the sinking ship. And uh, oh, like the, ship, after, the ship is really cool. Yeah. That's fair. All, 
after they get to Yemen, I'm I'm I think that's where they go. Uh, I'm pretty into it. It's it, the first like thirty or forty percent though is a slog. To yeah, get I, th- I think I think I didn't have any problems with it mechanically. I think I just had issues with the fact that it just was just a really dumb story and that it didn't pay off to anything. Yeah, I, I plan on starting the fourth one. It's really good. <laughs> hopefully this weekend, but it might be a couple weeks. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to talk about, it's because it's been a few weeks, is Critical Role's got yeah. fucking nuts. Oh, wait, hang on. Are you caught up? I'm all the way caught up. Fuck, I'm not caught up, but I have an idea of what's happening because Twitter ruins things for me. Yeah, so I can no longer wait until Monday. I have to watch <laughs> it because it, Twitter ruins everything uh and i mean to be fair this is not really a huge twist it's something a lot of people have been predicting for a long time but um man it it took a few episodes for i think them to get back in their groove but the last like they were they were uh, for those who don't watch the show they were off you know for a long period because of the quarantine they usually do their uh recording like in a studio with a bunch of people and so it took them a long time to get set up so yeah, they, they were definitely rusty the first, like, two weeks back. Yeah. Oh, I think they were just excited to play and be all together again, and it was, like, goofy and zany. But the last, like, three or four episodes have just been really, really good. Really good. Yeah. And um, there's been some really good payoff from Campaign 1. There's been some really good payoff from storylines that, you know, are from the very beginning of the campaign. Uh, I don't know, man. I just it's It's reinvigorated my enjoyment for it. Uh, not that I was ever really waning, but it it reminds me a lot of how I felt at the end of campaign one, and I am just I'm just happy it's back. I am I am curious. I feel to me I think the big end game here. I know we're we're like searching for you know like lost wizard cities from like a million years ago, uh, but I feel like the big end game here is like finding the origin of of like the dunamancy which is the time travel magic in this uh in this universe yeah i definitely think well there's a lot there because number one we don't know anything about it and matt created all of it so that seems like a natural ending but number two like even kind of what you're talking about the search for you know ancient wizard tools and magic it was all created to take gods down or whatever and yeah um, that seems really connected with the secret origin of a god we didn't know about. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it seems. I feel like I, I, like feel, the- I feel like we're closing in on the end game. I don't think we're like there, but I feel like you know we're 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 three or four arcs away from from the end game. Yeah, you know, I'm waiting for the Chroma Conclave arc that yeah Vox Machina had. Like, I I don't feel like we've gotten to this big forty plus episode arc yet. <laughs> And uh, I feel like it's coming probably very soon. How far behind are you? I'm just half an episode behind. I'm, I'm working on the most recent one. What did you um, think of Caleb's mansion? An it's hour? great. Yeah. I know. Matt didn't have to talk for an hour. It's great. Yeah. Um, hurt for, for since you haven't listened or watched any of this in the first right. campaign, uh, they spend, I don't know. It is probably like 40 episodes, 30, 40 episodes. There are a bunch of individual arcs, but then there's like this connective tissue where they're kind of like putting these pieces together of like this 
you know, looming threat kind of thing. Right. Um, and then like, you know, right around episode 40, you're like, oh, this is really ramping up. We're like about to do something here. It's about to be big. And then boom, something completely different happens that right. like destroys everything. And that's the next 40 episodes. And then right. after that, they come back to where they started. And then there's like another catastrophe. But it's like, it's such, it's such brilliant storytelling because you're like, you're really sure that this is where it's going. And then right. it knocks you across the jaw with something else. Right on. Yeah, it's the best. That's Dude. it. That's good. I like it. Hurt. Uh, when we are when we were talking about this week's episode, what was the uh, we were going between two Netflix movies? What was the, the murder the, movie? Yeah. The Devil All the Time. The Devil All the Time. Yeah, the I well, I definitely the reason I didn't want to do another like dark sort of uh thing like that is because the main thing I've been watching is the vow. Have you guys watched any of this? <laughs> no. It's basically, you know, a lot like uh, Wild Wild Country from last year. It's a show about, uh, you know, a documentary about a cult. Uh, but this is specifically the cult that probably everyone knows the most about right now. The one where uh, the chick from Smallville was involved in sex trafficking and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it's very good, but it's not fun. Yeah. Like, you know, Wild Wild Country, there's a... There's a, there's a part in maybe the first two episodes of Wild Wild Country where it's like, oh, I, I could have totally got caught up in this. This seems pretty fun until it takes the turn. When they uh, have the, like, orgy and then turn around and beat the shit out of each other in Wild Wild Country, I was like, I get it. I, I can see <laughs> Right, right, right. Uh, but this, there's never a point like that in this. It just seems like, it seems like multi-level marketing populated only by the most annoying youth minister at your church oh. <laughs> like like it's just it's just so and there's never a point where i was like oh i this would have probably been fun to be in for a while it just seems like people who only got into it to advance themselves and so there's not a lot of sympathy that being said some of the stuff that happens to the people in it is you know truly fucking awful so uh you know, I recommend it on a quality base, but I'm not recommending it if you want to feel good. Another thing, I, I, one more thing I have to say about it. Uh, the, the guy who's at the head of it is exactly my least ta- favorite type person on earth. He's exactly the dude who, you know, thinks that, oh, if the pretty girl just got to know me, she would want to be with me. But he mm. made a cult around that. And you can really see it because... Like, there's all these semi-famous girls who get involved, and they're all, like, the obtainable girl from the sci-fi show. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're like, it's never like the, the hot android from the sci-fi show. It's like the plucky, sort of, just cute on the show, but in real life is still a model type a girl. Th- those are all the women he targets. It's, it's a super gross show. To follow up, J.U., I forgot that I had also watched an HBO documentary. I've been avoiding the vow for exactly what you're talking about. It just seems so depressing. Yeah, it's, so it's not fun. I watched another one that I thought would be interesting and then also ended up being depressing, which was a- Agents of Chaos, which is about the Russian troll farm. Oh, uh, no. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's, and it's like four hours long. Um, at the end of, I mean, my wife got really, really into it and she's like, so, so how the hell do we trust anybody on the internet? And I was like, I mean, you can't like <laughs> more moral of the story is that you, you cannot like the internet's just fake. It's deeply like just disturbing, disturbing in that it's this shit's still happening. And 
people are dumb enough to fall for it. And uh, right, it was it it was sad. Uh, I, I'm glad I didn't watch that one because basically my whole wor- world view right now is being pissed off about shit like that. So I probably would have you know had a fucking stroke or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't want that. Yeah. Well, I also haven't watched that much this week. I watched uh, for my Ghibli film. We're getting close to the end, but we're also past the good ones. I watched a movie called Only Yesterday, which is uh, one of the less fantastical ones in, in their uh, their repertoire. It's uh, about a woman in her late 20s who goes on a vacation to the countryside while reminiscing about her childhood, uh, which is exactly as exciting as it sounds. <laughs> uh, nothing really happens. Some of the childhood bits, I think, do a pretty good job of like kind of capturing that feeling of being like the anxieties of being a kid that are kind of hard to place. But outside of that, it's mostly just boring. It's just not very good. So it is currently my lowest ranked Ghibli film. I don't recommend it. Only yesterday, don't watch it. And then the only other thing I watched uh, or played really uh, is for my anniversary this year, my wife got me uh, The Last of Us 2 because I was too cheap to buy it myself. And uh, I, I, you know, I know I've talked on this podcast before, The Last of Us 1 is a really spectacular game. Uh, one of my very favorites, if not you know, my favorite game. And it's just, it's so, you know, speaking to Christian's thing, uh, Naughty Dog is the same uh, company that makes Uncharted. Uncharted. And I just feel like narratively, I mean, narratively, Uncharted, I think, is, is head and shoulders above quite a lot of the competition. But there's just like nothing even remotely in the same caliber to me as these games, The Last of Us games. I know it's dumb to say about a video game, but the acting in these games, the scenes that they, they put together for these games are fucking incredible. Like, you know, the gameplay is fun. I, I, I certainly, I don't know if I'm a good or terrible, I'm a terrible post-apocalyptic scavenger to watch because I fucking go everywhere and look at everything. <laughs> uh, so it's just, it's just me running along walls all the time, but it's, it's a really beautiful world. Uh, you know, the combat's fun, but it's just such a compelling narrative for the compelling characters. It's just really hard not to just want to keep playing it, which is what I've been doing since I got it. Better than Transformers. I'll let you know how it ends. Also, I, hasn't, I was amazed at how much it hadn't been spoiled for me, and I'm going to continue to stay off the internet, even though I want to read more stuff about it until I'm finished with it. Good luck. Thanks. <laughs> uh, but that's it. Do we, well, uh, do we? No, we don't have a plan. Don't even ask. Like, we don't, we don't <laughs> I, have. You know, one. it's possible that you guys have things that you want to talk about. I don't know. Maybe we all just want to watch cult uh, documentaries and, and reconvene next week. It you seems know, I'm the odd man out. I've continued not talking about Lieutenant in the in what we're watching because I thought at some point maybe you guys might watch it as well. What is it? Tenet. Tenet. Oh, Tenet. Yeah. Maybe one day. <laughs> I have. I just have no interest in watching another Christopher Nolan film. I'm just like done with that guy. We could talk about how much I don't want to watch Christopher Nolan anymore next week. That's that's my pitch for a topic. <laughs> Actually, I'd be interested in that. I'd be interested where you started to feel like that. Where was the hard turn, and where was the never going back? I got a feeling it's all going to be Interstellar. Let's. <laughs> Let's, surprising let's, it's let's, earlier than that but i'll table it for another topic let's let's yeah. take let's take the basic white guy journey through movies <laughs> i feel uh, like it's the anti-white guy version because most white dudes love christopher nolan that's why I said it, that's why i said it's a journey it's, it's oh, okay it's important to 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 you know put away your childish things <laughs> as you get older when i was well, a child I spoke what this like podcast a child. is about <laughs> 
<laughs> for sure. That's a, that's a good point. Anyway, something next week. We'll do some kind of podcast next week. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, if you guys have any thoughts on uh, Enola Holmes that we didn't talk about or uh, s- stories that you'd like to see adapted in the future. But if you want to reach us, you can reach us at realphoniesgmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at realphonies and on Instagram at real underscore phonies. Thanks to Zach Evans for art and Brian Velasquez for our theme. We'll see you guys next week. Later. <laughs>